0: Hello everyone and welcome to University Radio Bath's coverage of the 2023 SU officer elections. Voting is open now, so visit www.thesubath.com to cast your vote before 5pm on Thursday. This week we're interviewing all the candidates for all of the roles and now we're joined in the studio by Zizis who is running for the position of Education Officer. Hello, Zizis. Hello, how are you? Yeah, doing well. How about you? How's
1: both of you? Good? I- I'm good, thank
0: surviving you.
1: Surviving the interviews?
0: Yeah, I've only been here for a short time but I'm enjoying it.
1: Thank okay. you. Are you surviving the campaigning? Uh, and yes and no. Yes, it's a, it's, a, it's extremely <laughs> difficult. It's like uh, doing a sport, but like for 14 hours straight. mental so. sport. Yeah, mm. yes, yes.
0: yeah, so what made you run for education officer in the first place? What made you decide to put yourself forward for all the position?
1: Um, I'd say my love for academics really. Uh, I remember in my first year I applied to be an academic rep uh, because I came from high school with the mentality of running for politics and representing students. But getting into the discussions about education and education policy is actually something turns out I, I love. Uh, so being the academic rep for two years, then faculty for two years, it's like a, the continuation of working on education and education policies, I'd say.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Um, so in this interview, we're going to go into your manifesto a bit, and we'd quite like to go into a bit of detail on your manifesto, As yes. a lot of points are a bit broad at the moment, so it's good for you to get the chance to of explain course. what you do. So um, investing in study spaces is something that you've got on one of your priorities. So where do you think needs the most investment?
1: Um, I don't even think... There is a need for an investment, I think. Opening the departments, opening the the faculties and allowing more people to enter the buildings during weekends where most people want to study uh, is one solution that's quick, easy and fast, doesn't require much resources. Uh, On the other hand, I've heard candidates and I do believe that uh, as the university grows, as it takes more and more students, which is a fact, we accept more and more students in the past ten years. Uh, I think we should actually invest in more buildings, and in the ten-year building plan that goes on, uh, I'll be very happy to, you know, give my feedback uh, and work for study spaces, even below accommodation. So you have your accommodation below, you have your study space.
0: Yeah, and in your education plans, you want to minimise the disruption if uh, the UCE plans to strike again, and it it's likely that that could happen. So. How would you try and minimise the disruption?
1: A tricky one, probably the trickiest uh, thing I have in my manifesto, uh, along with the Reading Week, the Universal Reading Week, which I'm sure we'll discuss later. (laughs) Um, I think discussing with uh, unions and uh, talking about disruption, uh, I get totally the point that the whole disruption is there because that's the nature of strikes. Uh, But I think... The continuous relationship that the SU has with the unions that's growing, uh, the support that we show as a students' union when the students wanted want to show support uh, is actually th- the only way to get together and say, okay, you can you you can prove your point, you get, you can do a strike, but let's let's not put uh, on assessment, for example, stuff that you haven't taught because you were on strikes, or let's give some sort of notice to students, and generally I'd, I'd be very happy to sit down on the table with union representatives and at least work work on trying to uh, eventually minimize disruption in any way.
0: Yeah, cool. Um, you said you'd like to push the idea of peer assisted learning, so what do you believe are the current faults with the personal tutor system, and how do you think that p- potentially peer assisted, like peer ass- assisted learning could potentially benefit students more?
1: Uh, I will tell you. Uh, what did you say about the personal tutors?
0: Uh, you said that there, there's currently like faults within. You believe yeah, that yeah. That so
1: uh, funny thing, uh, I don't know as a fact that both systems don't work as much as they should. For personal experience, none of these work. Uh, my personal tutor, I know him, doesn't really help me, nor in my academic uh, process and progress, nor in my personal emotions and how do I feel mental health and stuff. The same thing for uh, Pal. Uh, I, I used to do PAL like my first year with some uh, second years. It was terrible. It was a <laughs> COVID. I was hoping to get together in a room as the, the PALs and uh, be friends and stuff. In the way that I see this happens in the, ne- the Netherlands with my sister, where she is a PAL. Uh, and I can see she gets, she gets in a room with students, uh, they discuss about how they feel, they discuss about academics, she helps them if they need any kind of help. And I believe this is the kind of of schemes we should be running at the university as well. Uh, Looking at how other universities in Europe, for example, are running similar uh, things. But it's an undeniable fact, I think, that they don't really work. During my campaign, I've been approached by many students telling me, yeah, you're totally right, they don't work. Um, And it's a bit sad, but I I believe it's not that difficult to to change. Um, Informing departments and then training the peer the, the the peer mentors. Sorry, the personal tutors, and in the same way the pals, the students were volunteers at the end of the day. Uh, I think that's that's the key to solving it. Simple and quickly.
0: Yeah. And moving on to the international students, yes. uh, part of your manifesto. Yes. Um, You say that you want to improve the support and the process that uh, the university goes through to support students in their visa applications. and I mean, given that this is all an external process and there's so much paperwork and it's all to do with the government and everything and not necessarily the university, um, how does the university go about doing that? How do they add more support and make it a better process?
1: Uh, I'd say better communication uh, prior to entering the country and while you're in the country. Uh, me as an international student, uh, haven't really struggled myself because I was the last one to enter with the pre-settlement scheme, but uh, I know a lot of international students and we have 21% of international students on campus. Uh, they ha- I know it's difficult, I know it's a, it's a country p- problem and bureaucracy. In uh, the university, I think what we should do is guidance and communication and more support. there exists, uh, but I'd say make it more personalized. Um, for students, make it more uh, available for one-to-one conversations, um, counselling, free counselling. I'm I'm very happy to start these discussions about uh, visas and international students.
0: Yeah, excellent. And uh, just one more from me. Uh, you've said that you want to collaborate more with universities uh, around the world and around. The UK. Um, where do you think that this work is going to be most useful and who's it going to be most useful for if we do collaborate more with other universities?
1: I think for both undergrads and postgrads, uh, this specific point of my manifesto comes from uh, my visits to other European universities for summer schools or just unofficial visits uh, and has to do with me getting very inspired by the way they work, their students' union work and uh, and I believe that we have a lot of Things to learn from collaborating with them. The undergrads, from going on Erasmus and exchanging ideas and participating in projects. For example, last year I was participating in a UK Singapore uh, hackathon, which I, I, I was basically working with Singaporean students, which was an amazing experience. And on the same way for postgraduate taught and non taught programs, uh, in the sense of uh, exchanging research, uh, working on research together, collaborating, and at the end of the day, this will have a benefit. For science as well, yeah. apart from experience for the students.
0: Um, so you said about you want clearer guidance and communication between students and their departments regarding regarding IMC forms. How do you think this can be achieved, and do you think there's like a stigma surrounding the forms that maybe stops students applying for them when they actually are struggling? Uh,
1: I think there is. Uh, I think there is. Uh, the students have trouble identifying whether they're uh, eligible to get an IMC, uh, even though there is clear guidance from the university, I think my whole manifesto point there is to work out quicker ways to get an IMC and without the need to write this report where very personal stuff need to be written. Uh, and I think it's clear to, to distinguish when IMCs is needed and when not. but um, I think it's, I think it's important to make sure that a claim can be made easier by students, especially in the sense of a crisis, which, yeah, mm. I think more communication again, even though there exists and the university has provided clear, more clear and clear, because we've been working on IMC for years at the Students' Union, uh, but I'll, I'll work to make it more, more accessible for everyone.
0: Yeah, excellent. Um, I think we might have time for one more question. So uh, yes. let's talk about beyond Bath. So when students finish and they graduate, yes, um, you want to make Bath graduates more employable. I'm pretty sure Bath are already at the top of the rankings they for um, yeah. for graduate hire. So how do you improve something that's already clearly very effective?
1: Uh, I'll tell you one of the reasons I wrote this down, apart from employability being one of the biggest concerns of students. Um, I think it's. Students not only becoming employees at the end of the day when they graduate, but becoming bosses of their own uh, businesses. And uh, I see how the Enterprise Lab at the university, which is a new initiative, has been gaining much more investment from the university in the past uh, few years. Uh, it's, it's, it's an, we have the Enterprise Lab, which is basically a startup incubator for students to start their businesses and get mentoring and uh, go into talks. Uh, I think there should be more push for that, more push for independent success. Uh, and not only entering, at the end of the day, one uh, multinational company. Uh, Bring more investors inside, hear the ideas of students. And generally, uh, my whole point is, I see students in London, in LSE, UCL, uh, they have a tremendous uh, startup nation situation there. They have, uh, I remember they have over 400 startups or something there. And here we have like eight, nine people trying to do something. And I think investment and looking at how to make our students the bosses and not the employees would also be something that we should look for.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Susis, and taking the time. And a reminder, once again, to everyone that voting is now open and closes on Thursday at 5pm. You can read information about all the candidates and also, more importantly, vote on the website at www.thesubarth.com forward slash elections.